Hey everybody, this is Rich from the Metal Cell Podcast. I want to give a shout out to our main sponsor, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. If you're in Cork, call in and have a beer on us. Delighted to welcome Evan and Joe back to the Metal Cell Forums. How are we, lads? Fantastic. Getting on rightly. So we're missing our fellow sister in metal, Danielle. She can't make it tonight. And then I wanted to contact uh, Keen. I suppose what we're going to talk about tonight on the main main topic is about band roles, management and education in metal. And I thought the lads from God alone would be ideal to come on since they've come through the whole lot and came out the other side. So as, as it turns out, Keen is in Manchester, so he said he'd do it. And then he couldn't make it back in time to the hotel or wherever he was going to do it from. So he sent a message then to Jack and... Jake. So I got Evan onto the case then. Over to you, Evan. Yeah, I rang um I rang Jake first um and was like, Are you are you doing this podcast or what's going on? And he was like, Man, I'm j- literally just about to play a gig. And I was like, Oh fuck, right, okay, sorry. It must have been Jack that Keen was saying that would do it. So hung up, called called Jack. <laughs> Jack's like a second I heard it and I could hear that is like that's either he lives with about 40 or 50 different people or he's out in a pub or something and uh, it turns out he's playing the same fucking gig so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the hell Keen was saying to them or to us or to whatever but uh, turns out they're all playing it, gigs uh, <laughs> weird if they were doing the podcast like live from Cypress Avenue like <laughs> Got caught rotten now that I'm not at it as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lads, you have been busy, Bookles. I will say that. Both of you were playing gigs over the weekend. Evan, you probably played, what, was it two more than Joe? To have three gigs? We had four altogether. Oh, four, okay. Yeah. So that was with Harbringer and there was another band. French four. Knife were on um, the Belfast and Limerick dates. Oh, and how are they sounding trench knives these days? Absolutely unbelievable. They're yeah. such a pleasure to watch, Tom. And even just like to, I, I wish they were on the full tour. Um, they're just the loveliest lads and they're just so tight. They're so tight, especially with Tom. Tom's after taking them to a whole new level. Like yeah. they're on a, a complete other level of tightness. Yeah. And how did the tour go in general? Amazing. Um I think I said it as well about the last time, the last tour, that it was like the best one. Like we felt like things are moving up, but this was on a whole other level. Like, wow, playing Dublin on a Sunday, we were like, look, if Harbinger want to do it, we'll add the date. We'll do whatever they <laughs> if they want to do it. It's grand. Thinking we just a Sunday night in Dublin, we were thinking we no one. Where was it on it? Upstairs in Whelan's, and there was like ninety something people there, and it was absolute madness. Wow, holy shit. No. The same day you're supposed to go to mass. Like, that's that's mental. <laughs> Ireland, like, so, yeah, absolutely buzzing. The lads in Harbinger are just the nicest guys ever. Uh, they really have their shit together as well. So it's nice to yeah. be around people like that. It's kind of like... Uh, and it's good for them as well to see the crowds turning out. That's it, yeah. It's only their second time. The first time they were over with uh, Decapitated. So that's like a guaranteed crowd. Oh I, wow! I think those gigs were sold out. Were they? Were the decapitated ones sold yeah, out? Yeah, I I saw them. That was in I think Voodoo. Yeah, it was Voodoo Dublin. I'm nearly sure. Yeah, it was Wheeling or sorry, 
Dolan's in Limerick anyway because it was yeah. John. Oh, focus, of, yeah, that's right. Was, yeah, John kind of got it all. <laughs> I've seen Decapitated more than I've seen any fucking other band. I'm nearly really? convinced at this stage. Yeah, I've seen him so many times. Just seemed to be following me around. Like. <laughs> I'm like that with God alone. <laughs> and Joe, you had a big one as well, man. The Gamma Bomb reunion, and it was all for charity. How did that go, my friend? Free gig back in, in hometown. So we're originally from Newry. Yeah. Which yeah. Isn't really, doesn't really have a metal scene, so I had to kind of import it. But it was great. It was great. <laughs> um, like similar kind of sort of size venue as Cypress Avenue or whatever, like 80 or 90 people or whatever. So, But it was great and really, really nice to have all the old, you know, old members and stuff there getting up and doing sets. So we did like a set with the original lineup and then the Dangerfields did a set and then we got up and did our normal headline set. So it was great. Yeah, yeah she's all fans of Dangerfields anyway, aren't she? Yeah, big time. Big time. But um yeah, it's just a just really nice seeing everyone and like like there's some of the guys like the guy who played drums on our first album, I haven't even seen him in like, you know, seventeen years, never mind played yeah, with him really. yeah, yeah. So, and it's nice as well, you know, just getting all the water onto the bridge and stuff so that we can go into our old age, you know, getting all these <laughs> sort of people up between our two. Yeah, yeah. And how how was it playing with them, like as in how many practices did you actually manage to get in? Because I know uh, one of the last times we were talking, it was kind of like you were just about to to go in for a jam. Yeah, yeah. About- we just did one. So did, um, everyone just did a load of homework and we did one jam with the old rhythm guitar player and lead guitar player and old drummer. And then yeah. um, and that was about it. But yeah, like it actually went went all right. It's one of those things, Ev, I'm sure you probably have the same kind of thing. It's like, Whenever you play some really, really old song, the muscle memory is still sort of in there somewhere, like how yeah, yeah. useful information could be, you know. You're like, I have no idea what's coming next. And you're like, oh, I'm so fucked. I'm just going to ruin this. And then you do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like you're listening for the first time as it's going, but you're physically doing it. But yeah, it was nice, uh, nice to get that done. And uh, yeah, just sort of still working away, trying to finish up the album and doing all that sort of blather. And had like an unbelievable bump uh, this month in Spotify. Like we're up, like I saw that quarter of a million. That's yeah. unbelievable. But how would you, you know put that is? down to Joe? I think it's just the algorithm. You know, once once you hit a certain number, it starts suggesting you for playlists and stuff like that. Okay, so which is a bit of a like, massive thing. It's a bit of proper, really, because like on it's not really fair on bands who should be getting more exposure like that. You know, whereas it's not someone that. Spotify deciding, oh, let's give these guys a break. It's just the algorithm saying, oh, right, this is going up, so let's just add this on the playlist or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. YouTube does the same kind of thing, like where you'll start coming into more, um, you know, like recommended videos, like the more people are looking at it. So it's like if you have a really good first day or first launch, it can skyrocket yeah. very quick, you know, um, kind of pre-saves and just the build-up and everything. So is that, yeah, that a look. free gig-wise now, Joe, for for a month or two? Uh, Are you just yeah, concentrating on like the album now? Yeah, we've got like something coming out for Paddy's Day and then just sort of get the album finished and organise some tours and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, while we're on about gigs, Evan, do you want to give a shout-out for anything that's coming up in the horizon for us? Uh, we have... Uh, I guess I'll do it in order of things happening their next Dead Cult gig is 24th of March with Suits Air um, it's their first Cork show in four years and Imagine that. that's nuts 
I, this gig is like <laughs> when we posted about it, like I haven't really got into property promoting it. And then every so often I look at my phone, there's like a ticket bought and like it very obvious that people want to go mm. see them. Cause it's been so long. Um, we have horrenda, we have astralist and then on first uncultivates gig. Oh um, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. You're good. after joining them. And how's yeah. that going? No, <laughs> some crack. <laughs> it's it's an education, is it? It's hard, like, but yeah. um, it's it's great crack. Like the lads, you know, being able to play with the lads are, is is great. They're all friends as well. So, like, the way Keen writes things is very spastic, I guess, in the best way possible. So, mm. it's one of those things that you know things don't don't make sense. But if you just stop thinking normally, it'll it'll make sense. Okay, um, <laughs> and then worn out are in Kilkenny on the eighth of April. Oh, that's Kennedy so cool! Yeah, yeah. We actually got interviewed at, in the Dublin gig by someone from Kilkenny, so it's nice, like, to see a younger thing that there is people that want it so bad, but just don't have the gigs happening. Yeah. So, if you know, I'd love to be able to do more stuff down there if it goes well, but. Uh, it should do it can dictionary on it so there'll be the pull like and then unsane in may oh man jesus they're coming ticking fast yeah wow yeah. and then i really like, blew my load there and a few things but yeah unsane like how does a band like Borno get onto them or you know can you give us an idea of how um, this literally the second it was announced just going through every page making sure that i find uh Sending emails, like just be the first to do it, being like, I want this gig. Like, okay. no one, like, I kind of went in with the mindset that I was going to get it. It made, it, I felt like we would be a good fit. I found their managers, like their booking agents email, um, got onto the lads in Cypress Avenue as well, who are lovely lads, and sent over EPK, sent over, like, I kind of have those kind of emails just ready, like everything that I need to send. Um, okay. Always have it on hand. And just be the first person to get it, like if you didn't know about it beforehand. But uh, yeah, absolutely buzzing for that. And then we have more tours and some big stuff to announce then for later on in the year. And next yeah, and um, I just want also to give a shout out as well to Rum Kingdom are organizing Bone Fest. So that's on Saturday, the 11th of March, and it's Death the Leveller. Ocus, Rome Kingdom, Partilon, Sensor, and 7.5 tons of beard. And that's on. Where the, is that? Sorry? Where is that? It's on McHugh's venue in Drogheda, Saturday, oh, the 11th of March. I think we're saying that was somewhere in Cork there. I remember seeing the. Some lineup. Oh, 7.5 tons of beard alone. <laughs> yeah. What a yeah, sure. yeah. That'd so. be interesting to see if, uh, if those gigs in Cork start or in uh, Drogheda start coming back. Because it so, used to be like a really, really popular spot 20, 30 years ago for stuff. Yeah, and that's a good venue, McHugh's, by all accounts. I've never yeah, been. Then, like everyone, Acid Rain and all those sort of bands all played there. There you go, mm. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's nice. Um, I don't know, is it a thing? They might just be doing this one thing in memory of Bones. You're seeing more stuff opening up at all. Um, Night, I saw Night Demon's uh, Irish tour and it was like eight shows long. Like the, I think they were doing... Cork, Limerick, Drogheda, Dublin, Derry, doing like the full full spread. So 
it'd be interesting like if that goes well will that kind of open those venues up a bit more will we start seeing you know more bands doing more than three shows in Ireland you know Hey, sure Are you sure Night Demon are playing Cork? Yeah. Fuck, Indeed. how did I miss that? Okay, I just wanted to look out for as well. Didn't even realise that. And of course, the Siege are after announcing two lineups so far. It's getting interesting. How many more do you reckon is left? Is there a third and fourth? Or just maybe one we, more? It's hard I'd to say, isn't it? There'll definitely be another one. Oh, there'll definitely be another one. I'm just wondering, will there be... I could imagine there's four, like, and there might even be. I actually, I don't know because it's yeah. it's when you see them all, like, for the day lineup. Um, yeah. How many bands actually play the siege? Because there's three stages. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Must been announced so far is really exciting. Anyway. Oh, definitely. I, I like. I'm really hoping to see Carosa on Warehouse. Like, yeah, just it's sound and feel wise. There. They deserve it, yeah. And I think it'll just be like I would love to see them at like five, six o'clock rather yeah, than because I, I think if you put them on too late, it could be messy. It could be messy like, you know, like <laughs> people would literally just fall into a trance and just like, but if you put them five, six o'clock, people would be blown away. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And like everyone's kind of compass enough that they can really take it in, like, you know, and even getting the younger kids to be able to see them as well, to be like, that's something you should aim for. Yes, very much so, yeah. Okay, so that's roughly the gig roundup. If you want us to shout out for any gigs, uh, be sure to give us a, a message and we gladly announce them. Give us a heads up at least a month before the gig comes on, if not two months. Right, um, I sent you four songs to review. Uh, the first one is Collapser. It's called Whale Gasm. And Collapser are a melodic groove metal band from Stoke in the UK, formed in 2020, influenced by bands such as Gojira, Sabbath and Macedon, The Quartlet, combined doom-drenched riffs with a dual vocal attack, forming their own unique blend of sonic dirt. So shout out to Steve, Sam, Dan and Neil for sending this in. And as I said, this is Whalegasm. Oh, 
So the claps are making mark on you. You know, I I think they're cool. I think their uh, vocalist has like a mix of Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, but also like a slight uh, Mike Patton vibe to it. Mm. Um, I think they're using that kind of mashuga, not to try compare them to a lot of bands, yeah. but like it. There's almost like a simplistic simplistic version of mashuga in some of the groove things. Um, mm. that's really it's like I think it, it does sound really cool I absolutely hate the drum sound and uh, it's it. I can't tell if it's real or not but oh they have, they have a drummer yeah yeah but like it, it, I think that's more of a modern production style that happens a lot but mm. their actual like talent and songwriting is is great like if if they're um, if they're doing that live to the same caliber I think they'd be I'd like to see them at something like Bloodstock do you know I think they mm. were good absolute treat of Bloodstock yeah I like the way the melody came in there which is uh, vocals and the synth yeah. in the... I think it's a, it's a very like what I like about it is like yes. they're using vocals as an instrument yeah it doesn't seem like vocals are just thrown on for the sake mm. of it it does seem like the vocals were given space to add to the song, you know, it's like everything was written together rather than like, okay, here's an instrumental track where you throw some vocals on that. Yeah. So, And I think space is the key word there because every instrument has that space, just room. It does, yeah. Everything knows when to lay back and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right, right. It kind of reminded me of something from the Resident Evil soundtrack or something. I don't <laughs> okay. know why it was, but you know, like the start, like the, it, the Atmos is very good in it. You know, I think that they build the atmosphere really, really well. I think it, did they say the two singers? Uh, yeah. So Steve is lead guitar vocals and Sam mm. is bass and vocals, so I'm presuming. I think maybe the two styles of singing are too similar, like because they both come all across as very Anselmo-ish to me. Um, Didn't even realise. Like, I suppose it's not, like, it it's not really my um, not really my style of riffing and stuff like that. I would agree with Ev that it does sound very modern, processed and like drum machine-y. Um, but like, I think that is probably quite, that's sort of the style of that sort of music, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like again, for like fair play to the guys, going for what two years and bringing out stuff this this quality, you know, it goes to show that people can really like sit in their bedrooms and hone their craft and like come out with 
pretty good sounding demos and stuff from just nothing, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it too. So yeah, a thumbs up as well from me. Okay, second track is Nebularis and it's Cataclysm. So this is um, an Irish band from Dublin. Nebularis is a three-piece technical metal project that encapsulates the essence of synth fiction, cinematic film scores with powerhouse progressive arrangements that exceed expectations. The band's debut single, Cataclysm, is a precursor to their full-length album, which is currently getting the finishing touches by engineer, producer, musician Ben Wanderers of the Enigma Division and um, Sharborn, did I have? Yeah, Sharborn. Yeah. Uh, so on vocals is Haitam, guitars is more Sheeran, drums, Damien, and session bass by Terry McHugh.
Okay, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, really good. Like, um, it's definitely very technical and progressive. I'm a fan of Nevermore and stuff, and I can hear loads of like sort of hints to that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of style of metal. So I think yeah. like there's probably a lot of appeal for people who like anything from Dream Theatery stuff to yeah. I don't know, like Thrash, you know, because like a lot of the riffs and a lot of the drums and stuff are kind of like forbidden those kind of bands ish. Um, yeah, like. <clears throat> The thing, I don't really like melodic courses in songs like this because I always kind of think that, you know, whenever you're thinking about two styles of music, like, meeting together, they should, like, have more of a mesh, I think. You know, when I, like, I think that it can be a bit of a, uh, I know, a bit done, like, done too much, this kind of let's have heavy verses and then just have singy kind of courses, you know, mm-hmm. the other way around, like, you know, and having, like, harsh mm-hmm. courses and stuff, but... That's like just my personal taste. Like to me, whenever I hear a course like that, it always takes me out of the heaviness zone that I was in, you know? Yeah. I just but, struggle uh, with it in relation to them as a band because I can hear more as musicians as in solo musicians. Like the last two points you just made are like yeah, exactly the thing. Uh, I think the thing uh, that you were saying, Joe, with... Uh, you know, it being when you have a heavier verse and then a, it's like, um, I think I had the ick from it from like, you know, metalcore back in the day where it was like all the, the crab core kind of thing. And then you guy just comes in with some like angelic vocal, but it's definitely, definitely um, like a musician's album. Um, it mm. sounds like it could be either the drummer's solo album Basis solo. Oh, album. it's it's Mo, uh, Mo Sharon. It's definitely yeah. This like I, I follow Mo. Yeah. I think yeah. she's absolutely excellent. Uh, Haytham as well. Mm. He he's incredible. I remember seeing um, Eyes Closed back in the day uh, when they were playing in like the zoo in Kilkenny. When like Jay from Red Enemy and Hero and Error was drumming for them, like they were. He was like he was to be honest, like a massive influence on like me being like what level you can get as an Irish band, but yeah. it's, it's very like indivi- everyone's individual parts are just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, found it not well. at all. the type of thing that I would uh, listen to, but it's at such a uh, well-crafted and well done musicianship level that it's like, I don't feel like I can really put it down in any way because there's so much well done craft in this that it is, it's, I can appreciate each instrument mm. in it for just being absolutely amazing. It's not the type of song that's that pretty crazy about a lot of this stuff recently is like, what a huge, massive influence Mike Patton seems to be having yeah. on like yeah. new generations of bands. Cause like 10, even 10, 15 years ago, like people obviously love Faith No More, but you weren't seeing vocalists coming out with that same kind of style and we're seeing it all the time now which is like it's good yeah. to see people like trying something different like that you know yeah. the other thing as well with that is Mike Patton is such an incredibly varied vocalist that people probably don't even realise that mm-hmm. they are influenced by it. there's so many different avenues that you can go from even just saying that like Haytham does have that like you know that big um, Patton kind of vibe to him so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of put a finger on it. Really, it's just missing maybe the glue to make it that really impressive debut single. 
maybe there's better songs on it. Like the musicianship is second to none and the vocals. Are, it's it's just, is it just missing for me? Just that catchiness. Listen to it once when you go away, you can't, it's not in your head. I'm after hearing it five or six times and I still don't have the pattern. I think so. Do you understand people, that kind of way? That's the way I know, I, I actually 100% uh, <laughs> get what you're saying, but I think with that style of music, it's like I could be completely wrong. It's not really about like writing a hook and it's not about showing off. It's just, it's a different kind of song. So, because I, I agree, like there's no thing that gets stuck in my head, but like I don't write stuff that has like hooks really in it. I think it's just um, a certain style that they're doing and I know they're doing it really, really, really well. Um, I can't, I feel if I'm like trying to, like I don't, I would badly produce that for them because I try <laughs> to make it sound more like something to suit me when they're yeah. doing, what they're doing is excellent yeah. for style and genre that they're in. Yeah, it's and look, sure, look, they've been wanderers like of the Enigma division producing it. So that's the level where they're at, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, thumbs up. Either way, you know, <laughs> keep up the great work, lads. Uh, looking forward to the second single. <laughs> okay. The third song is a song called "The Doolin," and it's from Terror Syndrome. So this is an interesting one. Uh, it's Ron from Cork. He's been doing this since 2021, and he started off when he was 16. So he's now 18. He hasn't done any live shows yet. It's a solo project, so he's heavily inspired by Dance with the Dead. And their amazing mix of synth and metal. He said he's got an array of chilled out tracks and heavier tunes as well. So the EP is coming out on the 3rd of March. And the person doing the intro to this is Thomas Hines of Ferozzi Gone Inuktig. Interesting. <laughs> Have a listen and see what you think.
I must admit, I fucking love driving the car to this fucking tune. Such great entertainment. Anyway, over to you, Ev. I was when you're saying driving the car, I was just imagine like the, there was a game. Joe, do you remember Wipeout? <laughs> yeah, 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 of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> when I was listening to it, I was just like, if they re, if they'd done a new Wipeout, something like this would be <laughs> perfect. It, it like, would be, yeah, yeah. Or if it was on Cyberpunk or anything like that, like yeah. I think. I think it's great. Uh, like as a song, like as a band, I'm kind of like, but that, like that's, how would I describe it now? It's like, that's great for, that's a great composing. Do you know what I mean? Like for, if it was used in a film or like uh, anything like that. But I, I would, I'm very interested to hear what other stuff he does because if he's 18 and he's doing stuff like that and he, like he's saying, oh, he has all these chill things. I'd love to see if he gets in a band, what kind of music he can he can do if he has a lot of different kind of elements in him, but like as a song, I wouldn't sit and listen to that. But again, like you're saying, if like if I was driving somewhere, I'd be like, you know, fuck it, we'll <laughs> we'll make this the soundtrack for something. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like really, yeah. really well done um composition. Like I think yeah. he I'm looking forward to seeing this now what 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 he can do. Um very, very. I think he has a good, good ear. Yeah, uh, he, he could be. He could be someone very big. You know, I don't know what it is about it, but I just pictured it. Like, if music makes me think visually, yes, yeah, very good. Then stuff. Yeah. It's done something. I don't. It's not like I'm going to sit and listen to it, but I pictured so many different scenarios. That's a massive thing. Like, so fair play to him. Yeah, Joe. Um, this is like really in the zeitgeist at the minute, this kind of stuff, isn't it? Like if you look at Carpenter Blunt and Perturbator and stuff like that, like a lot of this kind of stuff is like getting really, really big. And like, you know, as Ed says, this is like, it is a guy, you know, and a computer kind of making this music, but the composition is really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I think the thing with this kind of stuff is it has that like, again, sort of like early 2000s horror game kind of like, you know, vibe and a bit of like Rob Zombie or something in it like so out of all the stuff we've listened to I could see this going really really huge just because that kind of stuff is really popular at the minute you know um, yeah. and like as stuff like Perturbator shows you don't really need to be anything apart from just someone who composes good music and that's it you know if it catches yeah. on with people it'll catch on like yeah and the subtle changes through it as well you know I mean he is good at his craft and learning and you know, there's definitely it, it have that um, white zombie. You know that that's super kind of nineties. But like you, can, as you said, like uh, uh, you can really picture the kind of like you know, House of a Thousand Corpses type stuff yeah, that would yeah. accompany music. You know, yeah. It's interesting now. I mean, but a title like the Doolahan is kind of this mythical Irish. I think it's a, a horse or something like that. But like, I mean, if he's if he's kind of going to bring Irish mythology into it. And have well, this dance kind of slant to it. Yeah. Well, he's working with Glue Band and a Flu Blow. <laughs> I'm sure they all, that's kind of a. Yeah. They probably all talk about that. Like, and delighted as well. Bring bring more of it. Very impressive, Rowan. Keep in touch, man. Thumbs up from us. Okay. Track four is Rope Maker. And this is Pian. P A E A N. Pian. So the. 
multi-instrumentationist Dave Slattery, originally from Port Arlington and Leash. Dave began working on his debut album back in 2019 in Galway, where he has resided since 2004. The debut LP entitled Interwoven features eight brutal cuts of majestic, technical and progressive debt compositions. He enrolled the talents of former Elinkus drummer Rory Guyot for an instrumental album packed with monolithic riffs, unpredictable arrangements. So speaking of the track, Slattery says the inspiration from this track comes from my love of doom and sludge metal. Bands like Yob, Crowbar and Pelican have been favourites over the years. Doom metal places an emphasis on simplicity, groove and emotion, which are the cornerstones of the genre. And these traits are hopefully represented in this track. Okay, let's have a listen.
Okay, Joe. Uh, I don't really like this, to be honest. Um, like, I think a lot of this kind of music is really dependent on that kind of production to kind of sound good, you know? Like, to me, this kind of doomy stuff should always have some sort of, like, first Sabbath album kind of vibe about it. And, like, I think whenever you have production like this, like, the songwriting is nearly geared towards the double bass drum pattern, you know? And, mm. like, the that, like, open rhythm guitar sound. And it's like, if you take that kind of away from it, I don't think there's a lot of meat on the bones for being an instrumental section like that. Um, but, like, again, that's just my like my reference you can tell this guy's obviously knows what he's doing because like it sounds like it sounds incredibly tight and well put together but like put together is like the way i would put it like you know mm. okay evan yeah i i i think it's really cool my my only thing is um and like i'd say everyone that's in like a instrumental band will be sick of hearing this but I feel like it's written as if there's supposed to be vocals on it because I I know Joe you don't like the kind of open thing the rhythmic thing I feel like and it, that can be overdone like especially when it's just that but I feel like with like a vocalist the right vocalist over that it's it's um like the rhythmic double kick thing uh, is actually just the perfect bed to have a very nice melody, either maybe another instrument on it. Cause I, I, I know I read an interview, I think it was with him that he doesn't want to do it live. Um, I'm pretty, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I read something that he, he was saying he doesn't really want to, and it might've been something from overdrive, but he doesn't want to do it live. But I really, really think that if he, because R- Rory's drumming on this is just excellent. Like he's yeah. he's so tight. I'm actually delighted to to hear him playing again. You know, like I miss mm. like it's like, um, but like you'd look at what Sam Ellis did with his solo project, where he actually came out and sang on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a different take then, isn't it? Really. It is, yeah. I think as well, though, like when I'm mentioning Rory, that's just as a fan of him as a musician. Like he's yeah. he's more of a session musician on this, I yeah. guess, is, is what it seems to be. But, I mean, if he's not going to do it live, I I would love for him to like look into different vocalists. And I know when you're an instrumental band, like you're sick of hearing that. But like some, I listen to a lot of instrumental music and it's written a certain way. It's, you know, it's, it's not with this. It just seems like if there's just that vocal level missing from it, Mm. I really, really like this. I think it's class. I just can't unhear what I can't hear. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Mm. But uh, because a lot of instrumental stuff is written a certain way. Um, whether it could be, if it's very metal kind of like, Mathy could be very quick changes with this. It just seems that all the changes are, you know, exactly the length that, yeah. uh, a vocal is would be here. when you do this, it's like, it's, it's like it's laid out to have vocals on it, but they yeah. haven't. Well, like he's saying, like the emphasis is on simplicity, groove and emotion. I think he, he achieved that with it without a doubt. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I'm not, mm-hmm. Like again, I do. I do really, really like it. I just 
I guess it's one of those things that when I'm here and I'm like, again, everyone else in the entire world might disagree, but like, yeah. not- made me sit up and notice. And again, I'm actually really looking forward to hearing more of, of this. If I need to hear it like yeah. in an hour context. I might. Yes. Like if I, if I'm going for a walk, listen to it, might not, that might not like, but as a standalone thing, when I'm judging on one section, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of instrumental things as well, you'll find the songs will bleed into one in some way. Yeah. But there's a bigger picture that you will tell musically yeah. rather than uh, vocally that might be lost, I guess. Yeah, no, um, I really enjoyed it. And again, the place to listen to it is in the car and uh, just makes that bit more sense. <laughs> yeah, based on is sick as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a big shout out to Dave Slattery for sending that in to us. Look out for their Rope Maker album. That is coming out soon. Uh, it's called Interwoven. Thanks, lads, for that. We'll move on to the main subject of the night. It's something that I want to talk to you about in general because there's a few aspects to this. So it's about... Band management, people's roles in bands, and also maybe looking at the educational side for people that want to have a career in music. The fact that it's heavy metal, I don't think it it will change much in relation to what we're going to talk about, or maybe it will, I'm not sure, but let's, let's open up the discussion in relation to maybe band roles first. I know, Evan, obviously you're more or less taking control a lot more than others in relation to maybe we'll say the management of the band. It was originally anyway. No, things have yeah, changed. Like, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's not like I, w- I would never even entertain the idea that like I'm like a fucking Ayatollah. No, 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 no far from it. No, no. And, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that, but you're more involved, we'll say. It's, and it, yeah, well, I guess like the, the um, booking gigs, social media, um, there's you know a lot, a lot of things like that are um, but then you'd have Brian that would do a lot of like the design things and like you know um, if we get merch stuff it's like Brian does the merch mock-ups he does like I, I, I can't do that at all yeah. um, so it's like you know you, you everyone can have a role in the band and the other thing is like, you know, you can be like, okay, everyone has to have a role, <clears throat> but there's strength in knowing weakness as well. That if some guy is like, you know what, I'm actually just shit hot at playing drums and that's what I'm going to do. If everyone else does everything else, or if, even if one person, like if you have a band leader and that works for your band, like, and you have full trust in them, go for it. Um, but you can run into a lot of problems with people wanting to do stuff for the sake of it when they're, it's more just an ego thing to say, I want to do this and then fucking it up left, right and centre. Yeah. Uh, Joe, what role would you be in Gamma Bomb? Jack of all trades and master yeah. of none. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, I think because we've been on the go for 20 years, things change because like mm. some, if someone has kids or, you know, has a family crisis or something like that, you know, people have to be able to take a step back. So, like it is good to be able to say if some, if the guy who looks after all the accounts in the band has something going on in his life where he can't give that attention, it's good to be able to say, listen, don't worry about it. Just turn up to do the gigs. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. being flexible about that sort of stuff is very, very important. But it's also good to like all be on the same page, you know, whenever you start out. I know some bands where uh, like when 
we started, we all agreed not to get driving licenses so no one would have to drive. And we didn't do, like, none of us could drive until we were, like, in our mid-20s just so we would never have to drive the band around. And, like, I know some other bands where, like, there's one guy drives and he's doing, like, you know, 250 miles a day and stuff. So, I don't know. I think that things like that are important to try and sort of define rules that people are happy. As you said, Ev, there's no point yeah. in getting someone who failed, you know, every maths exam ever to do your accounts, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, like, I think early on in band squares, you get a lot more of people saying things like, I can do the front cover of the album or, you know, stuff like that, you know, which yeah. is grand. But like, yeah. the more you can outsource stuff like that, the better. But then on the flip side of it, I would say that, you know, the more that you can do stuff like uh, do all your recording at home and get good at that sort of stuff, the more you can save money and, you know, yeah, we, we had um, a tendency to try do absolutely everything except the recording thing all ourselves. And it's like, I think when it comes to artwork as well, um, it's unless someone like in the band will give you something that you're just straight away like, yes, that's perfect. It's like, a lot of the stuff in this like artwork with, with absolutely anything, it can be sometimes better to be like, right. If you outsource somebody to do it that you really want to work with and like, you yeah. know, have through, um, it can oftentimes like help the band to not, because if you like, if it's one thing, if you pay someone to send you something and then you give them, changes or whatever like being like oh yeah we're thinking more of this or like this or don't like this you know no matter how well you put it like when it's someone when you're in a band you can be very close together and that it's you know like if if someone can say you know it's like oh i think maybe this should be green and someone could take offense to that and you're kind of like okay i'm gonna hold this for the next time you bring something in it's yeah. like I can guarantee you everybody has had that in a band. So it's sometimes you got to really, you know, like when it comes to merch mock-ups and stuff like, or there's a few posters that um, I've got Brian to do. And it's just like, I've full faith being like, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Like if I have an idea, I'd be like, maybe something like this or whatever, but he might just come with stuff himself. Um, same with Alex, when it comes to video stuff, he just comes, drops stuff in, but like, what do you think? But I don't want us to film our own music video, do you know? Um, yeah. I it's, because it's like you you really do need your mental. Um, you need a lot of rest mentally uh, when it comes to being in a band. That like, I would say like don't like not even pick your battle, but be like, is this worth? all of us trying to figure out this one thing when we could get someone that we all love the work of that we're trying to like yeah. maybe emulate in some way. It's like, if why don't we just get them to do it that like, if we have to pay them in the yeah. long, we're going to have so it's... much more energy to play gigs and write music because <laughs> after all this shit, when it comes down, you still have to write music and that can be the most draining part of it all. Like, Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, you're backing up what Joe was saying there about outsourcing. Mm -hmm. You know, to delegate away from the band and to give it to someone else, especially with artwork and stuff. Because, you know, if you've got one guy in the band that thinks he's an artist and it's pretty shit, you yeah. know, might do for a demo or two. But like after that, you're you're going to have to be, uh, what would you say, 
be bad flexible <laughs> and have good communication skills. Yeah. You know? It's a funny kind of situation as well, though, because like every band, no matter what way it works, like unless your band is called like Dio or Bon Jovi, where you're clearly the guy who runs the show, like, you know, mm. I think every other band has to be some sort of democracy, you know, and like bands that aren't like Megadeth, you know, where they're trying like say force Dave Mustaine's way, like they keep burning through many, many members of the band. Whereas like I think other bands like Metallica, I suppose they're a democracy, but there's two more equal people than the other two, but they still have some sort of democratic vote. Yeah. And like there's loads of bands like The Doors and Radiohead, they just and we do the same thing. We split all our royalties just all equally evenly, like you know. And then that way you're never in a situation where people are going to get into arguments about all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think it, it can be super, super important trying to figure out what, what way does the band work? You know, there's like people tend to think because they do more work, that means that they are more in control of a band or, you know, mm. have more of a right than someone else. And the best thing to do is like always try and make sure that you're in a position where everyone's happy with the decisions being made instead of, you know, trying to say, oh, I want to try and get my idea in there instead of his, you know. Yeah. Transparency is such a massive thing that I think people don't uh, don't really push for as much as, as they should in bands. Like, you know, kind of if someone has an idea or they want to go, go through with something or like if there's an update on anything, just like make sure everyone knows, even if no one replies, just, you know, always let people know this is what's going on. Like, that is important like if someone is dead set on the idea of doing a yellow t-shirt and everyone else doesn't want to do it but that person's like really really wants to do it yeah it's probably the idea to just be like let's get some of them done so that you know we're not like you're not annoying people just for the sake of not letting them do it you know when it's not something that isn't it's not really a big deal look you know yeah 100 percent. yeah i couldn't agree more with that yeah Yeah. when you look now at Certain bands, I suppose the Irish metal scene isn't big enough really for a lot of bands to have managers. A few things then will come into question in relation to the particular band, how much they're playing the manager. Are they paying for fucking a PR agent as well? Is that supplied? And like, it's a whole different set of skills for a manager to deal with a band. Lots of patience and probably a steep learning curve as well, trying to deal with maybe four different personalities in the band. How difficult is it, would you I, say? I to... band, there's any any band on the island of Ireland who have a manager who's a, like a manager who metal who manages lots of metal bands, you know, of, of note or whatever. I think that most of, most of the managers, and like I would probably say the same, are people who are mates with the band and are helping them out, you know? Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both the roadie, it, it, the manager, the photographer. Yeah. That's cool. Um, thing that I so fucking shit sick of is like, um, this thing with a lot of bands now, it's like, I feel like just because like if a band sees something records, like they get a message off something records, they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, we'll like, you know, cause they're thinking already, can't wait to make a post that says, oh, we just signed with fucking Socks Records or something, yeah. whatever. But, you know, and they're like, it's like, but then you go onto that, being like, oh, fair play. You click that um, record label's um, 
social media and look them up and it's like the worst MS paint kind of <laughs> bullshit looking like as in absolute cowboys. And you're like, hang on now. Did you, you think that being signed to a label makes you more of a professional band? But then when you look at some of the labels that they're signing to, yeah. and it's like, you know, you'll have such a crazy mix of, um, artist number one which means they're not probably focusing in on something and it's just like the worst graphic design you've ever seen and it's like these are the type of people that click like do you know when um you get like a a virus thing being like oh baby watch me come and you're like sick unreal yeah no worries like, <laughs> like you're, you're that kind of dumbass that's gonna like be like why why would you like, you know, you have to know your band's worth. And it's like, you can go your entire career without having a manager yeah. or a, like a label or anything. But it's like, find one that works for you and is good, not just to be able to say you have one or you, you, you're you working one. Because all you're doing in that sense, if like you get some person like, oh, this is our manager. And I'm like, have you ever fucking been to a gig? Like, what the... <laughs> It's like everything is misspelled and then like it's you know again i can't stress enough if you go straight onto a website or a youtube page or facebook or instagram and it's like very blatant like ms paint kind of like plop 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 like just crap it's like i'm going to look at this band being like all right yeah no fuck these guys it's yeah. like no way this was made 10 minutes beforehand it's yeah. like there's a there's a netflix documentary coming up about this now and i'm not <laughs> going to be part of it there's no way there doesn't seem to be many anyway in that position but i think it's just as there's a few yeah there's a few yeah there's a few i think the situation is that if, if you're in ireland ireland is such a small country like you don't really need someone to help you do anything in this country like everyone in a band is well capable of contacting promoters or printing t-shirts and doing stuff like that i could understand if bands were like oh we have a guy in germany who manages us and tries to right. you know further the career of the band but like in the case, bookings and stuff <laughs> yeah in a lot of case what you get with people who are offering management or pr services to smaller bands like what they're in a set essence doing is trying to like you know like they're soliciting bands, money out of these bands every single month to try and like you know give them PR bumps or listener bumps and things. And sometimes yeah. it works. Like I'd also say this: there are bands that I know in England and stuff like that who would be paying maybe five hundred quid a month towards people like that to try and get their five thousand listeners on Spotify or, or whatever, you know. Mm. So like. You have to sort of like how much is that is this band being a business or are they doing this as a passion and trying to you know be like yeah. right okay we're we're doing this we want to have a manager and a record label so like i i told you guys about this years ago there was a label called rising records in england and it was like a front where a guy just owned a studio and he signed bands and the bands had to pay him 10 grand to make their album in his studio and like he just effed off to the Bahamas with all the money whenever he, he was done. Fucking you know? legend. <laughs> what a legend. What didn't I think of that? Fucking legend. But there's even I was saying with that, like with PR, there's things like you know, like we're saying um hold tight or is it uh public city or music city PR? Like there's a lot of really reputable ones that will get you on like Kerrang and get you X, Y, and Z, which a lot of, no matter how good your music is, 
a lot of these people will open their emails first. And it's actually just, unfortunately, the way it is, unless you get to a certain size. But then you're getting other PR companies that are like, you know, it's like, like genuinely, I feel like it's, it, there's, you know, there, there's people fishing, right? And then there's the fish that are all just like trying to pretend that they're the fishermen that are like, oh yeah, look, if you get onto us, you'll get onto this magazine or this or blah, blah, blah. Like Richie, <laughs> I'm sure you've gotten some absolute dog shit. Um, absolutely. EPKs and press releases and <clears throat> all this stuff that you, I know for a fact, you've opened them up, looked at this and just went, no way. Yeah. There's just no way. Like that's like, but that band is paying someone yeah, send out the worst quality thing they possibly can because they've been just given, they've been like, you know, like snake oil salesman or whatever it is. Yeah, like, yeah. like <laughs> really bigger <laughs> shit out themselves I first. Can, I was going to say, it can be incredibly like harmful to a band's career having someone who's theoretically managing or booking gigs for them. And they're like, what they're basically doing is stopping the band from like going and doing that sort of stuff themselves, you know? Because I think that's like, if you have enough get up and go to be going and printing t-shirts and booking your own shows, you don't really need someone to manage it until that person can say, okay, here's how I'm going to get you onto, you know, this tour that's coming through Ireland or this tour in England, you know. Because like there's a, I remember we had that meeting with this guy, David Gentle, who worked for Iron Maiden's uh, legal team, like, you know, doing legal affairs for them and stuff. And we were all like, is there any way to like, you know, get, like in contact with Iron Maiden's manager, does he take on people? You know, just because you want to fucking beg if yeah, possible. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but like, he was just all like, listen, if you can get someone like that to manage you, your band will become the best band in the world. But 99% of managers are not like Iron Maiden's manager. They're just like some guy who's trying to make money or whatever. So he was like, listen, you'd be way better off just manage yourselves. And like, we've been doing that for donkeys now, you know, years and years. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think the thing as well is like there's a lot of bands um, that when they first start again they're like like I said earlier there's there's a band I don't want to be saying them I love them they're great from Cork and they have a release coming out and they were like oh we want to go labels you know this is the goal I'm like <laughs> don't think about a label like t- figure out your the business of your band yet when you start figuring out uh, a point that you can either use the band to fund the band's next project. When you, even when you get to that next level, rather than have to take it out of your own pockets and, you know, figure out what works for your band, how to market your band. Don't be bringing anyone else into it. Don't be having any extra thing paid for them. You really need to figure out what you can do and how it's like, figure out the music business in any capacity, like any level yourself first yes. before someone starts coming in telling you what it is. Because mm-hmm. if once you, if you have your head screwed on and someone, you know, like you figure out and start asking advice from friends that are doing things that are bigger, like don't, don't be afraid to message bands that are that bit bigger than you being like, Hey, how do I do this? What, what is this? Like, you know, I've mm-hmm. had people that message me about, promoting gigs or doing anything like that and I always help them out I've jumped on Zoom calls with people not to say that I'm anything fucking of worth but the fact that someone wants to reach out 100% this is what I know I don't know if it's right or wrong this Mm. is what I know but 
there's too many people that jump in with the intention to get a, a record label or like... I think they genuinely don't know any better unless they're going to go to maybe music school. There's plenty of music colleges out there. I'm sure yeah, they'll get a heads up on that and there'll be people in there that are paid and have dealt yeah. with hundreds of people moving through uh, different levels of courses that can give them solid advice yeah. and point them in the direction. I was lucky enough to do that. I was lucky enough to do that. But yeah. I'm still telling you, even if I never did any of those courses, um, there is nothing like actually figuring out your own band's mm. business. Your band is a business, whether you like it or not. Um, it is a business if you want to be able to keep it going to a point that no one's going to be like, oh, it's too expensive. It's like, well, we you, you build up enough to create a project to make money off the next project. And that's just kind of, you know, the way it'll go. But if you're coming in waiting straight away to be like, oh, we want to, we want to sign to this label or this label. It's like you, like if you're looking for a good label to sign you and you've released one single, like, unless it's like they really see that people are buzzing off this thing and they're like, oh my yeah. God, like this is incredible. People are going to love it. It's like a lot of labels or managers or anything yeah. are like, you do all the work first. You only and have to listen then, to the interview we did with Worm Whole Death Records. Yeah, actually, for a yeah, reference. Absolutely, Use that yeah. as a reference. Because yeah. like every uh, everybody wants, like, uh, I was talking to Alex Vinci uh, about. I, talk, I have great talks with him about this kind of stuff. But uh, you know, I'm not going to be naming things that he mm. said. But like, a lot of the time, it is. It's like bands that you think like, oh, they should be on this label or blah blah blah. It's like they're all coming back, just being like. Now, wait till you're selling this much and then we'll work with you because this is the thing with music is like, it's the only business that you can fail 90% of the time yeah. and still be an absolute success. Do you know, like yeah. there's the 10% that makes it makes up for the 90% that failed. So like they're looking for that thing that's already done, already work having put in that are like, right, these guys have proven that they're able to do all this to a certain extent that we're like, right, cool. And people are already buying them. They don't really need us. So now we'll jump in. Joe, what were you saying there? And um, that is actually the stat is 90% of the bands who get signed to record labels never make a penny out of it. Like, you know, yeah. so the chances, you know, chances of getting signed or whatever is, you know, whatever percent. But once you're there, like the chances of making money is so low because, and it's, it is specific with heavy metal because most other music forms, the publishing and stuff is <laughs> worth money. Or it gets used in advertising and gets played in clubs and etc cetera, etc cetera. and you don't really get that with metal anymore so it's sort of like because the publishing isn't worth an awful lot it's very very hard for people to monetize it out of the gate you know like yeah. i was speaking to alan primordial about this and he was saying that even like labels like metal blade and stuff like that a lot of the bands that they have recently signed like cryptic shift or space chaser and stuff you'd be like they wouldn't be in a position to give them tour support of 2000 bucks to go on tour. Mm. It's like, just cause they don't, they don't really see the return in it the way that they would have used to see where like they would say, Oh, we sold an extra thousand copies of that album on CD this month, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's hard, to, it's hard to do. There's a lot of bands or labels now that, yeah, there's like, they have, it's like, well, I can kind of compare it to skateboarding. I think is like where you have like amateur and like, you know, you're getting, you won't make real money until you're, Pro, mm. 
you might get a few little small things that the, it's it's that same level of dealing with distribution things where um there's blood blast um that's nuclear blast and that's it's just distribution yeah uh, um what's the other one um survivalists are with oh Oh, blood blast is earache. earache yeah, yeah yeah like they're on like they've just they've not long ago started the uh distribution thing yeah. and that seems to be the way um labels are kind of like yeah this is cool you can release it through this i'm not entirely sure what way the deals work or anything but it's like it's not you know it's labels not committing to anyone fully yeah but also having their finger in the pie kind of thing. Um, this episode is mainly aimed at uh, younger bands starting off because, I mean, majority of bands that we all know and have been on the show are at it a long time. Yeah. So maybe just like the advice that we're giving mainly would be for younger bands starting out. And just write to, good music. Yeah. And be like, be the best live band you can possibly be like everything else if you are fucking really really good or like depending on your genre like you know if you're like a mental band where you run around or blah blah, blah or like mm. if you're a band that's just so incredibly tight or if you have like a weird stage show or something like focus on live because that's where we're spreads and when you really start focusing on being this band that's like that's the start of your band you know like as in if you're good live people will buy t-shirts which will enable yeah. you to you know building the band uh building the band's profile up you know and yeah yeah it, 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 and they go yeah. for other things first and it's like don't <laughs> yeah that's it and like delegating like the issue with management for young bands especially is like you're delegating a responsibility to someone who is most likely not going to care as much as you do because until there's money involved people are always going to be like yeah well you know i can't be bothered doing that like whereas if it's your band and your music and stuff you are better trying to do as much of it you, you know much of that the management side yourself i think mm. and also if you're coming to the end of your leave insert or if you're 17, 16, 17, 18 coming through, Ireland has 100% got some of the best universities for music, like Galway, the University in Limerick, Maynooth, UCD, UCC, Trinity, Griffin College, Dublin Business School. I just took a sample there, Joe, of it's a music production level six in Ballyformit College for Education. So in year one, you'll be given experience in the music industry, marketing and promotion of musicians, professional development, applied sound principles, recording technology, creative software techniques, live sound techniques, fundamentals of composition. And the end of year one, you'll get a cert for a higher national certificate in music technology. And then in year two, you've got creative research projects, you've advanced music production, music systems programming, advanced processing, live mixing, composing to a brief, sound for media productions, and end of year two certificate for higher national diploma in music in production. So that's just Ballyformit, what they have an offer. So like, I went there. There you go. Like I know a lot of people that have been on the show that, that have been there. And 
it's it doesn't necessarily break the bank either. But for what you'd learn just for two years, needn't have to be fucking four years, for two years, that, that'll you just be... You can have a choice to do one year as well. Same with Colossus on NAFA. Yeah. Uh, I did that course as well because um, I couldn't find one course that I wanted to do everything I needed with. Yeah, that's why I wanted to go to Lone Lads on tonight just to talk us through that because they've you all did. gone through that. Yeah. But like, a- my point is uh, that there's fantastic colleges out there in Very Ireland good. to support yeah. you as you make your steps in music career, mm-hmm. be it management, be it sound production, be it in a band. How long did you spend at Ballyformer there? One year, was it? One year uh, there and then two years Cork. Right. And what you got out of it? Look at me now. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I met, honestly, uh, I met a lot of uh, good people and good contacts. Um, I feel like when it comes to metal, maybe Dublin is more, um, you can kind of, I, well, I think a lot of some of these courses, apart from like school of music, uh, no, that's not even true. It's it's very hard to find something that you're like, want to be a metal band. I think a lot of the time when it comes to like doing heavy shit, you got to just start doing it. You got to really like, you got to, start pushing on and figuring out how to be in a band and things. There's, there's things that you learn from these courses that are like unparalleled, like of, you know, musicality. And, um, like I have friends that I went to these courses with that are, are doing full time, you know, making music full time, being able to play, uh, even covers gigs and their own music and producing Mm -hmm. things and recording things. And, I got a. Uh, I got fucking scared when I was like finished my leave and started thinking that because everyone uh, at the time in Kilkenny anyway was being like. I remember my uh, what's a career guidance teacher, what a cunt. But he was he was like. Uh, it was I was like, oh, what do you want to do? And I was like, music. He was like, nah, you can't. Nah, there's nothing to do. You can't do music. So instantly you're just kind of like afraid to push and be like, you know what? I want to learn this stuff. I want to. So even though I was doing gigs all the time, the idea of doing it as a full time career scared the fucking shit out of me. And I never tried to go um, for like one big course, like um, school of music or anything like that. But that's one, that's a massive regret uh, for me that now I have to like try build my own little empire in some way, which I'm loving doing. But I have people like, um, with so many of my friends or my my girlfriend that is like every they work fully in the music industry you know in, yeah. in different ways that now I'm trying to find a way that I don't have to but Ev do you find that like are all those people not they're not working in hardcore or metal really are they like they're working with like popular music um yeah well even some of it it's like you know you have like teaching and stuff like that um which it doesn't really matter what kind of music you're in. It's just actually doing it. I I, I was just little, little things like that. I just were, were always like, such oh, you can't do that. No, you're from Kilkenny. Like you're supposed to play Hurling kind of thing. But I do know 
a lot of people outside Ireland that are making full-time stuff off metal bands, but it's not, they're not flush or anything like, you know, it's, yeah. which is. People work it like, this is something we should probably talk about. Uh, like Richie is that like, there are bands out there like Hell Ripper who are specifically doing it as a one man project because it enables them to make a living out of doing it that way. Yeah. You know, he's like, I make all the money from the t-shirts. I write all the songs. I make the album myself and just give it to the label. You know, he's in the position where he can make money off the records off the bat, you know, as well as, you know, hopefully like you know, do well on tour with merch and stuff as well. So yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think that could end up with more of an option for, you know, smaller bands you know they're going to say how can we do this where we can all make some money instead of having six piece set bands you know like something that used to see a lot in metal a few years ago was bands with keyboard players and you're seeing a lot more four pieces and five pieces at the most these days you know yeah yeah you'll make the most money with a three piece but <laughs> yeah hell ripper is a great example we we have one or two of them here young thomas hines that we were talking about there's um these guys that are passionate and they are savvy enough to know what they need to get to the next step. And if they want to go down the educational side of it with music, it's there on your doorstep, lads. That's all I'm saying. Shop around, have a look, see what suits you. And, you know, head to college and do your band stuff part time, do it over weekends, practice, keep playing, you know. And there is a great system in place in the Irish metal scene that we can all help and it's- I, can't, I can't stress enough though the other thing is like there's no time limit on it either like you yeah. know if you if you're in a position that you're in you know like about to go to college or whatever it's like if you really want to just go then do it like absolutely push it if you're if you're 42 and you've never ever picked up uh, an instrument in your life you're 60 do it now do you know mm. Like it, it could be, it doesn't, there's, there's no set like age. Like people always had this thing of like, Oh, when I'm 40 or I remember when I was in like my early twenties and there was guys that I was in bands with, they were like, Oh, when I'm 30 now, like I'm probably not going to be playing anymore. And the idea <laughs> of stopping at 30 is so ridiculous that it's like, why would anyone entertain that kind of thing? It's like that thing that's put on everyone of like this time of, when you're this age, you're supposed to have this. And when you're this age, you're supposed to have this. It's like, fuck that. Yeah. Music can be a very, very long slog, but you know, the more you're taken in, like just be a sponge, really, really be a sponge. Like I, during uh, lockdown, th those two years, I was never more of a sponge in my entire life. I was like, right, I'm going to figure out how everything works. And I didn't, but like, I'm figuring it out more now that I can be around people. Mm. It's like, there, there's no, there's no like, oh, sorry, you actually can't play this gig because you're, uh, you're too old or it, 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 that is bullshit. Like, mm. I think a lot of people have a fear thinking like, oh, we have bands like God alone that like are younger that I think when they're 30, that we'll all be calling them younger no matter what. But, yeah. um, you know, like they, it, it it really doesn't matter. You can start an instrument, start a band. Like look at actors. There's some, could you imagine like, like a kid actor version of Robert De Niro? Like your age should not define you. 
no not at all like and this is the thing with music like just Mm. be learn learn to be good learn to be good and i can't stress with anything just be a good live band yeah you want to gig all the time i'm telling you something will gradually happen it's just it's very taxing and hard to do but i think that's again why it's very important to choose your battles you know because like going gung-ho and burning three members of your band because they can't make it to rehearsal every wednesday like you need to wear instead of the yellow t-shirt and you know exactly you need to weigh up the pros and cons of stuff like lineup changes and you know trying to make it work for everyone like you know yeah 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 it's just different skill sets you acquire as you go further along your career yeah yeah and as i said look something happening like we are all here for you Please hit us up if you need any advice. That's all I'll say. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Evan. And crucially, support your metal scene.